Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. My resolution fell off. I just got to be honest. Can We're hit church. We got to be honest and straightforward. Um, uh, because... Uh, Anna Snodgrass uh, actually taught me the secret of cookie making, uh, and it's a secret. I'm not going to let it out. If you want to know it, you got to ask her. Um, but anyway, I found it out, and I've been making a lot of cookies lately, and uh, it's been really hurting the old diet. Um, but uh, it has been interesting getting good replies, like, man, that's a well-made cookie. I was like, yep, absolutely, indeed, a well-made cookie. Uh, anything that's really well made that we eat, it's like, mm, what is in that? Like, how did you put that together? Man, I love those ingredients. Man, what did you do? What did you do? That's well made. Um, how many of you have ever done, gotten any, done any furniture shopping at Nebraska Furniture Mart? How many, how many have given some of your proceeds to NFM, right? All right. Well, uh, I didn't know about... I didn't know this until about maybe three purchases in to Nebraska Furniture Mart, but uh, at least their furniture pieces, uh, there is the like well-made, solid version, uh, and then there's the value produced, and, uh, and I didn't really know the difference. Obviously, with the price is like, dude, this is like, there's two prices here. They look the same. Who in their right mind would spend the more expensive one, right? You get the cheaper one, and then you kind of realize, like, oh, yeah, value produced is value produced. And, uh, and it just falls apart way, way sooner than you thought. I mean, I still have uh, pieces of furniture that my parents had from before I was born, uh, more than 50 years ago. There's, we have a china cabinet that was made uh, in England that my grandmother I don't know how, shipped. I don't know if it was like an expanded Sears Roebuck special edition uh, version of a china cabinet, but they had it kind of shipped all the way over, and we have this, and it's like over 100 years old, and you cannot, you cannot hardly lift it. It is so, like the wood is so dense and so well made. Well, in a similar way, being well made is more than just nice-looking external ethical veneer. Uh, that you might get in your value-produced furniture. But being well-made goes to the core of a flourishing person whose entire life, from the inside out, from the top to bottom, is remarkably whole, consistent, and coherent. Uh, we may describe this person as solid or the real deal. And God is desiring to build a well-made masterpiece out of your life. And he certainly desires to see his people be built in such a way that they are the real deal to the world. Amen? So to that end, we're going to look at God calling a man named Abram. He goes on to become Abraham, uh, the father of the faith. He's a leader of a new uh, family, a new nation that God was going to raise, that God raised up. And uh, we're going to focus on his life and look at really this call 
of God, this invitation to a new way of life. Uh, so God made a covenant with Abraham. Abram. We're going to, uh, some of the scriptures that we're going to use kind of throughout this series, uh, it's kind of before the Lord changed his name. So Abram and Abraham are the same person. It's just uh, a, a while God's relationship with Abram developed, he changed his name to Abraham, which kind of changed the meaning of his whole name and therefore his whole destiny. But uh, we're going to kind of use those names interchangeably. So just so you don't get confused, who's this Abram dude? I've heard about Abraham. Same guy. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, actually, let's dive in. before. Let's pray uh, before we really get into God's word together. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. God, that we can look to you as a source of life, a source of peace, a source of truth. And Lord, we just come to you today. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. Lord, the battles and the fights that we're in the midst of, um, Lord, relationally or mentally or, God, you know us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, and through the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so we want to look at this invitation by God to Abraham to a new kind of life, a, a life under the rulership of God himself, a life that is well built by the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, so if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we just got done with a little series on Galatians. And in Galatians 3, we read this. In Galatians 3, 6 through 9, in the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What, what's more, the Scriptures looked forward to the time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of their faith. What does that mean? That the, Paul is, well, yeah, Paul. Paul is uh, trying to communicate that, that through Christ that you become children of Abraham. You become partakers of this promise made by God to this man Abraham. We're going to look at what this promise is, what this invitation is by God to Abraham. And so let's get into it. So the grand crescendo of this Abrahamic covenant appears in the opening verse of Genesis 17. So Genesis 17, verse 1, this will be kind of our hinge verse for the next couple weeks together. Anyway, Genesis 17, verse 1 and 2. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Just to set this uh, verse up just a slight bit more, uh, Abraham comes along the scene in God's story quite early. Uh, this was actually right after uh, the flood, the Babel, the dispersing of the people, God handing the nations over to these uh, fallen Elohim, these fallen spirits, and then he chooses one nation, and he chooses this man, Abraham, Abram. 
This is the, almost the beginning of the story of God's unfolding story towards Christ. And he chooses this man, Abram. So he's a pagan. Uh, some of the studies into uh, his culture, kind of where he came out of, uh, a lot of tattoos. So I don't know, I just kind of think this, Abram's just this like tatted out cat that's just like roaming, you know, uh, the, the desert. And uh, God sees his heart. Uh, there's really nothing that we kind of see. I mean, we can kind of see his personality come out once God kind of gets on the scene. But there doesn't seem to be uh, much of anything standout-ish per se about Abram's life. It's like God uh, searches kind of like his, his creation and he chooses this one particular man. And uh, so this is kind of like right when this is kind of this whole story is starting is this call to Abraham. Um, so while God has already promised Abram many things, including a new land, by the time we get to chapter 17, he's already come to Abram a couple times, making this invitation, this covenant, and uh, uh, Abraham promised, God promised Abram many things, many, a new land, a great name, and a multitude of descendants. But now God invites Abraham to experience the solid flourishing life that he's been designed to live. So this life of God is not based on any merit of Abraham, but offered to Abraham as a gift received through faith. And we're going to look at three seamless threads of thought that make up God's gracious invitation to Abraham. A life of intimacy, a life of integrity, and a life of increasing influence. So that's where we're going to head so today we're going to talk about a life of intimacy, this call by God to Abraham, I am God Almighty, walk before me. Walking implies walking around, the, the kind of walking around every day going about life. This is what God invites Abraham to do, to walk before him. This paints a picture of a moment-by-moment -moment lifestyle immersed in the very presence of an all-powerful creator God. This call by God to Abraham has a tenor of loving kindness, loving tenderness, this invitation to closeness by God. The very foundation to a well-built life is the cultivation of intimacy with God. See, there's really no more important pursuit and the cultivation of intimacy with Christ. How many of you know there's a difference between those who are growing to walk intimately before the Lord and those who are just merely playing a part? I know that's probably some of, I've heard a piece of a majority of people's stories is I was surrounded by people just playing the part and then I finally met the real deal. The person who was the real deal before the Lord, the authentic thing, the, the, the real uh, person that has, you know has spent time with the Lord, that has integrity about their life, that has an increasing growth and influence to their life. There's, there's kind of a particular nature about that person's life, and that is one who walks intimately before the Lord. Building a well-built life with God begins with... Uh, Begins with just, whoa, where did that go in that? Oh, yeah, we get there. Praise the Lord. Just, uh, just one example. There was a guy in, 
in the 17th century. His name was Brother Lawrence. And uh, Brother Lawrence kind of garnered a, a kind of a great reputation. Uh, he worked in a monastery, and he was a cook. He was a cook in an out, outhouse monastery in the middle of nowhere, and he cultivates what he calls the presence of God. He took God at his word that, that those who uh, are follow Christ, the Spirit of God inhabits that person, and that God pre God's presence is there sustaining them, nurturing them, cultivating them, growing them. And there's this promise of God through the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done on the cross. And so Brother Lawrence is like, well, if that's true, man, I, I'm into this, so let's do this. So he started integrating, just walking in God's presence by waking up in the morning and putting his shoes on and pants on unto the Lord. Uh, he would chop his food like worship. He would make what he made was, was an act of worship to God. It wasn't just menial tasks and menial work, and I'm sure there was a ton of monotony. Talk about monotony in a monastery. Whoa. Wow. But just this faithful diligence to wake up and see the glory of God in every day. And he says this, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. What's your relationship with God look like? Knowing God, being known by God, is the source of all true life. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which we'll get to. But Jesus said, he also said, I came to give life and life abundantly. This abundant life, this extra life, this God-infused life begins and is nourished by and is fueled by our intimacy before the Lord. God knows you. He understands you. He gets you. He knows every nook and cranny of your life, every joy, every disappointment, every fear, every grief, every failure. You are forgiven and adopted in his family. God takes great pleasure in you. We see this kind of very makeup that God is inviting Abraham into. And here's the interesting thing. The powerful thing about Abraham is he just said, yes, I take you at your word. I believe that. I'll build my life on that. Yes. Faith. That same kind of faith we find in King David. Later on, in the same way, he walked in this and modeled it so beautifully by practicing the presence of God in his very own life. We see written down in Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms. David speaks out of his own intimacy with God. He says, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my laying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. And in a burst of praise, David recalls that there is no place that he can ever go where God is not with him where God is not there for him. 
And while David can lose his mindfulness of God, he knows experientially that God is always mindful of him. Knowing he's safe and secure in God's attentive love, David ends this psalm by asking for greater intimacy with God. He says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Many of us fear or get anxious at the thought of God knowing all of our secret brokenness. that We sometimes use so much energy to keep other people from knowing. And that first begins coming out of hiding. Your path to wholeness, you want to walk before the Lord and respond to this invitation like God gives to Abraham to walk before him comes by embracing the uncomfortableness. And we always view change. This is interesting. We always view change. God wants to transform your life. What does that mean? A.K.A. God wants to bring change into your life. When we think about change, we usually respond to change in a particular way. We view change as loss followed by pain and suffering. When we think of change, that's usually kind of the the initial reaction that kind of comes to us is I'm losing something here and it's probably going to be painful. Right? Pain and suffering is going to get we don't really see what is at the other end of it, on the other side of that door with the Lord. And so we kind of relegate ourselves to playing the part, being nice. But deep, deep in our souls, we know that we do not get close to the Lord because we're afraid. We're afraid to maybe get honest with what's going on, really going on, the maybe compromises that we've made that we've allowed to kind of grow and we've rationalized or justified to keep those in, my, in our life. And so we kind of are afraid to kind of go. There's many other reasons why, why we might want to hide from the Lord, but here's this invitation by God. Don't hide anymore. Come to me. Walk before me. When God says to Abraham, walk before him, he invites Abraham to live his life before an audience of one, God himself. What kind of life does that look like? That's a life of waking up. And before your crust comes off the eyes, that usually our habit is, and we just pick up that phone, all right, what did I miss? in the last six hours. Or instead, before you actually even reach for that and allowing distraction to get a hook in your day, you're just like, morning, Lord. Morning, this is your day. Mm, I feel good today. Oh, it's sunny out. Ooh! Or if it's cloudy, oh, Lord, come on. Cloudy? Come on, but I know you can make it a good day, Lord. All right, come on, here we go. As you're making your breakfast to make it unto the Lord, or your coffee unto the Lord, man, spiritual liquid faith. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but driving to work, interacting with your coworkers. God, did you see what happened in that meeting? As you're walking away, like, but inviting the Lord 
interacting with the Lord throughout this, your day. It's a tremendous invitation by God, the creator of heaven and earth, that he's given to humanity to walk before him. And here's this invitation to Abraham. It's amazing. In our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our attitudes, in our thought life, living before the Lord for an audience of one. Living before an audience of one means not only the ongoing cultivation of intimacy with God, but also the daily realization of our accountability to God. <laughs> We're accountable to the one who created us in his image, not us creating God in our own. It doesn't work that way. All we are and all we have is a stewardship for which we will one day give an account to God. Nothing we ever think, say, or do escapes God's loving and watchful attentiveness. The writer of Ecclesiastes concludes in this passionate quest for the good and wise life. Ecclesiastes is such an interesting book. It's this man who goes out and pursues wisdom, and he goes out and he tries every bit of human existence that he could try to find the goodness, the wisdom, the essence of life. And he ends by saying this, At the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Man, this invitation to walk before the Lord comes with it, a piece of accountability. Jeremiah reminds us, Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So here's this invitation by God to Abram and maybe to us to walk before the Lord. And when we do that, we are aware that God is aware of us and that he will examine our lives. The wise man or woman of God is wise to live each day, cultivating this consciousness, conscious awareness that God alone will give us our ultimate final exam as to the faithfulness to our stewardship of what he has given us. And as we know, many people are given many different uh, things to steward, many different aspects of life, many different kind of facets of things but what God has given you to steward is what you are responsible for before him. Perhaps Satan's greatest hope is, that we, is not that we would stop loving God, but that we would stop fearing God. And that's what concerns me, really, in this generation, is that there's no fear of God before our eyes. And this call to intimacy can get sidetracked and captured by the things of this world. And when we really think about kind of like our weak little excuses by an invitation to the creator of heaven and earth, it kind of pales in comparison. I mean, I'm familiar with the excuses because I give them. God, I'm too busy to give this time to you. God, I'm, I'm too scatterbrained. God, to really invite you into this mess, so, you know, I'll just see you Sunday. That's kind of how we treat God. And it's like we fail to see the, 
the power dynamic of this equation. <laughs> God and you. And here's this invitation by God. To come, walk before me. I'm going to give you everything that you need for life and godliness. Just walk before me. And, but we have to see our proneness to those excuses in our own heart. God, we get so sidetracked and so distracted so easily. And it's almost like we're training ourselves to get distracted more easily. Just kind of create that neural pathway, kind of turn it in from a two-lane road into a four-lane highway into a big old Dallas freeway right through your brain. That if anything uncomfortable, if anything shocking, if anything kind of jarring, if anything kind of like rubs, rubs us like odd during the day, it's like we run to escape somewhere else other than the Lord. And here's this call and invitation by God to say, walk before me. How about we live that well-built life by taking up this invitation by God to walk before him. In his literary classic, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis brilliantly describes Lucy and Susan's anticipation of meeting the great lion Aslan, the Christ figure, in Lewis's book. The rich dialogue between Lucy and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver brings timeless truth. Is there anyone who can be, appear before Aslan without their knees knocking? They're either braver than most or else just silly. And then Lucy asks, then he isn't safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. And he's the king, I tell you. And if we rightly understand this, to fear God is to live in graceful and wise obedience to a worship, in a worship, I'm going to start that over, <laughs> definition above me. To fear God is to live in graceful and wise obedience with a worshipful attitude of dependence, knowing that a loving God is watching and will require an accounting for the stewardship of our time our words, our attitudes, our actions, our relationships, and resources. Here's this invitation by God to walk well before him. To build this life that is a well-built life. Begins with this invitation and responding to this invitation by God to say, yes, I'm in. God, I have no clue what this means, but I know who you are and I trust you, and so I'm in. Your word is true. I'm in this. Let's go. Intimacy births obedience in our hearts. Being invited into this kind of new life can be unfamiliar and intimidating. I get it. Because again, it's change, it's loss. No, no, no. There's so much gain. But it begins with just saying, Lord, Boom, that's it. This cry it, it, throughout our day. Lord, as you're driving, Lord, there's a guy that just cut you off. Lord. But just this 
initial cry, that we can, throughout our day, just be inviting God in to our... It's not really inviting God in. It's saying, God, remove the veil of you already being here in my midst. That's what this is. To walk well before the Lord is I'm removing the veil off of my eyes that I like to keep blinders on because I think don't... I don't like the thought of being held accountable to every thought, word, and deed and how I steward my life. But here's this invitation by God himself to live the life that you've been made to live begins here with intimacy with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what's interesting is rushing into our awareness is our God who gives you the grace and strength, and power, and wisdom to walk well before the Lord. That's the interesting thing about this equation. This, Like I said, this power dynamic is like, Lord of heaven and earth, us. He knows we're broken and busted, and we need him. But he's going to provide you with everything that you need to walk well before him. Everything you need. Everything you need just takes a heart like Abraham, to say, yes, I'm in all the way without hesitation. So what's this call to knock the dust off, to raise our level of faith of what God can do with one life who's formed by his hand, who's built well, who responds to this invitation by God to get intimate with the Lord and see where God takes you. Another kind of idea, other than just saying the word Lord. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, man, what are some kind of brand? Man, every different shift in your day, turn on your awareness. So every drive, every lunch break, every snack break, every drive home, at every pause in the day, invite him back in. Man, I hate, sorry, I hate using improper speech. <laughs> Asking God to remove the veil to his presence that's already there with you. Another idea. I thought this was, this was kind of a cool one. Last one and then we'll wrap it up. But I was thinking of like a father-son, father-daughter night every week with your heavenly father. You spend so much time building relationships, but just giving God this kind of special time where, man, this is my time where I go, I go into the deep end with the Lord. But I give him, I, you need time. Sometimes that little 15-minute check-in, if all I was doing is little 15-minute check-ins with my wife, that wouldn't be good. That'd be pretty superficial. So here's this invitation that God gives to Abraham as well as to us begins with us walking closely before the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I pray and thank you that God, through your word, you're able to kind of strip off this religious life that we're so prone to kind of building as a substitute for being close to you. God, I pray that we wouldn't fall victim to that. God, in our own hearts, in our own hesitations, in our own fears, God, that we would, just by our own sheer will, build a life that you never dreamed 
of wanting to build in us, a life of fakery, a life of just playing the part, a life of just, well, let's just hope for the best. God, that's not you and that's not your gospel. Lord, God, I thank you that you've called us into your family, that because of what Jesus did, Lord, if we've given our allegiance to you, God, that we're in your family. And God, with that comes this call to live a life of intimacy with you, a call to closeness with you. Lord, we also have to get real about our proneness to be distracted or sidetracked in our walk with you. God, it seems like our inner coach has God just given in so many times to the cravings of our own, just our own flesh or just our need to escape that, God, we never end up pursuing you and being intimate with you, and therefore we never create a history with you. God, we create a history of church attendance, and that, God, that's never the dream, and that's not why Jesus came. God is to create a history with Almighty God himself, and this invitation by God through Abraham to us to walk before me. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, the strength, and the grace to walk well before you. God, if this is kind of a new message, God, if we've never kind of heard it with this kind of edge before, Father, Lord, we know that you are good, but we also know that you are creator of heaven and earth, and that, God, you are not safe, but that you are good, and that you have a good plan for our life. God, you said that we are your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's planned long ago for you to walk in. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would continue this masterpiece and draw our hearts towards you. God, may we not get distracted. May we turn off the distraction. God, remove the veil off of our eyes that, Lord, likes to hide out. But, Lord, draw our hearts to be the real deal, that we wouldn't settle for anything less, that, God, we would have a heart that would cry out to live a solid life in you, before you, Lord, knowing that you're going to hold us accountable to it. So, Lord, let's just get it right, Lord. And so, Lord, if there's anything in our life that we need to repent of, turn from, Lord, right now, Lord, we're all in different places, Lord. There's different things, different battles you're walking through and ways you're responding to that. But here's this invitation by God. Why don't you trade whatever you're getting distracted by and sidetracked by and just right now just say, God, I give that to you. God, I pray that you would be Lord over this area in my life, that you would lead me in this area of my life. God, I'm handing it to you because I'm not handling it very well. And so, Lord, I pray that you would train me to be a solid man or woman and daughter or son of the living God, that I would live this one life that I have, that I would live this life well before you, that I would walk well before you, God. So, Lord, if there's anything for us to exchange, God, we just hand it to you at the foot of the cross. We say, God, we give this to you in Jesus' name. And, God, right now we ask for the strength and power of your Holy Spirit, God, to fill that place in our heart, 
Lord, build our life on the power of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit, and in your presence uh, that we would be like our brother, Brother Lawrence, that we would learn to cultivate your presence with us every day, that everything you've called us to has meaning, purpose, and value in your kingdom, and that, God, that we would not be blind to that glory and this glorious life that you've called us to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you did a little exchange with Jesus today. I encourage you to just share that with someone. Uh, sometimes that really helps just really seal what God's doing in your heart is by inviting others into that and saying, man, this is what God did. Can you celebrate with me? Um, so with that, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Abraham's life next week. Uh, but with that, have a good Sunday. Bless you. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.